Welcome to the Finding What Drives You podcast. Dude, yeah. Bobby and DeGretti, we just met yesterday. I feel like we already became boys, man. Mm -hmm. So uh, we vibrate on the same frequency, I feel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, you got a great oh, story. Cool-ass dude. We're going to break it down. You got a big heart. You give your heart out to others. Mm -hmm. You know, that's why you're on here. Everyone has nothing but great things to say about you. You know, ladies and gentlemen, family knows him as Tudor. Yeah. AKA Turtle, because they yeah. couldn't say Turtle Rights, right, so they right, say right. Tudor. <laughs> <laughs> You're a father, surfer, Bakersfield's top therapist. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, incredible artist, man. That's really what we're going to get into this. You're an artist, tattoo artist, mm -hmm. airbrush, pinstripe, you name it. Yeah, Got to walk into your freaking shop yesterday, and I was blown away, man. It's just like I felt right. I walked in there. I was at home. So you're a lucky man. Bobby Negretti, welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, man. It was awesome to be on here. Uh, if I am if I sound a little different, I'm sorry. But I'm a little <laughs> bit nervous. No, hey, it's all good. I really Dude, I take it. I take some marketing classes, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm around public speaking. That's what I'm trying to do, too, get out of my comfort zone. And uh, it's best just to say it. Hey, I'm a little nervous, and then people all, all of a sudden start rooting for you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's I a, hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's already rooting for you and been rooting for you a long time, it seems yeah. like. So Dominic Valdez, that's my boy right there. And uh, he's like, you got to have Bobby Negretti, first person he mentioned. Yeah. And he tagged you on, on my first uh, podcast. And uh, so we just, I said, hey, what's up, dude? I mean, who are you? <laughs> yeah, so, so – a little bit of backstory about me is um Bakersfield boy growing up you know uh, on the east side of Bakersfield uh, my dad's an artist he's been an artist since probably the, the day he was you know raised um field worker family but he was always like uh he was the one person in our family that just kind of said screw it I'm just gonna do my own thing that's the legacy started right there yeah yeah definitely I mean he, he was jumping out of the truck when they were all trying to go to the fields to work and uh, just kept fighting it the whole time. So he was just against the green the whole way. Man, and that's how you make a change. That's yeah. how you make a positive change. Yeah, That's what I'm trying to be in my family, too. My oldest brother's turning it around, too. And he's starting to become that guy that's going to change the Yates' last name into something positive. Right, right, right. <laughs> you right. know, because it's easier to pull down than pull up. And lift up. So hey, good for your good for your dad. Yeah. Do you actually I want you to talk more about your dad because you know, they were saying maybe bring your dad on with you. Mm -hmm. And uh I was actually not opposed to that. And I met you and realized that you have a freaking cool story yourself. Right, right. So I, I you know, I'm glad we didn't, even though props to your dad. And yeah. uh, he has an amazing story. What they say that he's the best pinstriper in the world. I mean, I don't know how do you even how do you even yeah. uh calculate that? It's hard to I would I mean I guess that would just be like a matter of opinion, but um, that's all it is, man. It's a man's. Yeah. It's like instructions. It's just a man, another man's opinion. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I mean, he he was definitely an innovator in the industry. You know, like years and years and years ago. You know, when pinstriping was kind of first, you know, brought about was with uh, Von Dutch and all these old guys that kind of uh, formulated the idea that pinstriping was something aesthetic. But it actually started as to touch up dragster cars when they had a bunch of chips in the front of their car. Wow. So, you know, instead of repainting the car, the guy was like, let's just do a cool little design on the front just so they can just keep running the car. I didn't have to paint it. And that's kind of how it took off. And then it became an aesthetic, you know, where, man, let's do something really nice. And then it yeah. kind of kept developing and developing and developing. What so, time frame was that, you think? Because that I'm had new, to be like, new to me. 
late 40s, early 50s. Wow. Yeah, this is so, like gassers. Yeah. Like all the Santa Maria area. Hot rods. Hot and rods and stuff. Yeah. Model A's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. I got to see a lot of pictures and yeah. I was like, okay, tell me more about this. You know, once yeah. I started seeing it. And now you put it on everything. You put it on motorcycles. Yeah, it's, cars, it's becoming a big helmets. It's become a big uh uh just just in, in in terms of like just art, like wall art. I mean, from skate decks to just panels, you know, art shows. There's a million shows in LA that are, you know, hosting uh just panel panel art shows together, you know. And uh you pick up your piece and you kind of do your thing and man, it's such a big, big turnout, you know. Yeah. Like hundreds. I mean, there's never been this many pinstripers in the world as there is now. You know, it's just kind of a lost art that just really took off. Man, your dad was uh, one of the pioneers. One of them. One of them, yeah. He was actually trained by an old man named Izzy Posner, which was, I mean, this guy was like an old sign dog. Yeah. This guy was doing, you know, classical, like Chicago high-rise building stuff when he was, I think, in the early 30s. Wow, how how big did he spread out? Was it just Bakersfield, or was it United States? Or uh, how big? My my dad, yeah, uh, he stayed primarily here. I mean, he traveled all over the world, but uh, to do his his own endeavors was here. He was pretty busy, pretty busy. I mean, they were bringing cars from all over. Did he? Is that, is that all he did? Was he? What else did he do? Sign painting. Okay, a lot did he do of tattoos painting. as well. He did the backyard thing for a long time, like the prison. Yeah, like the prison, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The if whole I got one tattoo, so I don't have any tattoos. That would be my first one, dude. I don't even want any color. I just want a gangster right here. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, twelve <laughs> It'll years say, like, old. Tiger Woods or something, right yeah, here. Yeah, twelve years old on the porch, <laughs> like putting a machine together out of a cassette deck kind of thing. Man, that's cool. And that was him, but uh, that that was short lived because being my, uh, you know, the way my grandpa was, he was you know military nine to five, like just like yeah. really straight arrow guy. I mean, he was shutting down everything that my dad wanted to pursue in, in terms of art, you know. And Man, that's crazy. Like, You're, we were talking yesterday, mm-hmm. and I, I went and went into your shop, which is incredible. If you guys haven't been down there, you got to check it out. But I walked in, and I just felt at home. I was like, man, this is this is a place I want to hang out, you know, for mm-hmm. a few hours. And I think that's what you want, right? If you're giving someone a tattoo for a long oh, period yeah. of time, or you know, you build that trust and that connection, and then there's action. Um, right, right, right alongside that. And, um, when I walked in there, I was like, dang, that's cool. I was like, but you know, the way I grew up, everyone just projects, you know, what they've experienced through life. And everyone that I know that does art, art is a really bad artist, did some drugs. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you said you did not. Yeah, I did. And I was like, I really? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. I started digging in like an investigator yeah, and yeah. like, dude, you have such a great background. Just cool guy. You know, you said you surf too. And no drugs. I mean, and you're, you're, yeah. you're a great artist. That's that a, was a, a like, um, I, I just feel like my art, the ideology behind my family's deal was just make money. It was always like make money right. at any, at any cost, it, it, you know, whatever you do, right. just make money. Yeah. And uh, so they, I mean, they were into everything, literally everything from real estate to, to uh, uh, they owned companies. My dad actually owned a production, a concert production company. Man. For years, yeah. So growing up in in back rooms in a limousine and and watching the whole early '80s cocaine area, I mean that was like nuts as a little kid to experience, you know. And, yeah. And uh, and just being an artist in general, you get to, uh, you know, kind of hang out and mingle a little bit because you're always getting called to do something for a, a genre of people, and it's always kind of lowbrow, whether it's <laughs> right engraving a gun for somebody down south that's a heavy hitter or 
doing wall murals for motorcycle clubs and doing i mean it's it's been a, a wild ride you know oh man yeah. that's why I, yeah i'm glad you're on you had a great story yeah. your dad was really strict right i even called a my boy joey hernandez our kids play oh, travel yeah. baseball together and i was like yeah. hey what do you remember him from high school you know just trying to pick pick a little bit about you because we just met yesterday mm-hmm. But he's like, man, he was a badass baseball player. Yeah, you know, yeah. he used to throw in the high 80s, mm-hmm. you know, around 90. You know, mm-hmm. he was your catcher. Yeah. And you were one of the captains of the baseball team. Yeah, yeah. So coming from a background like that and becoming an athlete, your dad had to be pretty disciplined with you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was he was really hard um, in terms of like getting to practice and like just making sure I stayed out of trouble. He was just really on me. Like by the time I hit eighth grade, uh, we had a cousin that was killed. Um, it was his senior year. And that turned into like a blood feud between two families. It was like one cousin was dying. The other cousin on the other family was dying. It was just back and forth, back and forth. And they actually considered taking me because I was like last of the Mohicans. Yeah. Uh, they were going to send me out to Stockdale. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not going to Stockdale. Right. Just yeah. because, uh, you know, I, I was born and bred on the east side. Like I wanted, Dude, I wanted I, to stay on the east side, right? Right. And then uh, so a lot of meetings happened. A lot of stuff was pushed around and. A, a really big squash happened and I was able to just stay, go to East High and everything was fine. But I mean, I he, my dad kept a really sharp eye on me, always. Yeah, right, I know. And All your boys wanted to party with you and they finally just gave up. They're yeah. like, yay, Bobby's not coming out, guys. Yeah, just, he's, don't <laughs> even bother with this guy. Yeah. You need a tattoo, yeah. you need some uh, pants, stripe, and airbrush and done, give him a call. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. So yeah, I grew up on the East Side too. I went mm-hmm. to Chipman, went to Highland, went to Big Show College. And then my first taste of the west side of town, I went, went to a couple of parties, didn't really enjoy myself too much, but went to uh, Cal State <laughs> Bakersfield. I was as close as I made it over there. And um, yeah, so you and you went to East High, right? Graduated yeah. in 98? Yeah, 98. Yeah, yeah, played baseball. Played baseball. Played. Uh, I played over at uh, JBA, yeah. which is now Northwest. But I did too, brother. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, cool. Yeah, um, played there for years, um, I think right after like the Bakersfield bullets and you start getting into prep high school ball happened. And then I tried out for a few JC college uh, teams, but nothing really panned out of it. I think I just started kind of letting go, you know, and yeah. trying to pursue my own thing. And me and my dad had a really, really bad fight. And then uh, I just took off, Yeah, I took off. I was gone for about three years and we didn't have a really good relationship uh, shortly after high school. But, um, it was always like a, we always had like an eight year gap. Like yeah, we would we would be really tight, really close, and then we wouldn't really talk. Man, there's something I think it's Top Ramen that does it. Man, when you <laughs> when you leave the parents' house, you got you don't have no money. You got to eat mm-hmm. Top Ramen. There's something in there that makes you want to just yeah. argue with your parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all there too. We start yeah. gaining weight, getting a little insecure. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> it's definitely like a father son dynamic. I mean, every well, you know, like Joey Joey always had like a thing with his dad, but they were they they maintained pretty tight. Yeah. And then, uh, but me and my dad were always like, you know, jet fuel and a lighter. I mean, it was just I hear you there. off and on, man. I make jokes, man, but this is, this story is about overcoming adversity. Adversity. I have like this kind of plot I have, I learned it's called the hero's journey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like every movie starts out great. And then that train hits you. Right? right. Right. And then you crawl your way back into life. And sometimes the train keeps hitting you and running you back over. And we talked about yesterday, you know, Everyone has something in life that fucked them up. Mm-hmm. And what was that for you? For me, uh, like in the beginning. You see, you were talking about in the in the very you're beginning, bringing, like your parents divorced yesterday. Yeah, and, in the very beginning, I, I think I, I can totally think, attest to that. That could fuck some kids up. You know, they don't yeah. know how to deal with it. It's confusing, yeah. and you don't get the whole story. Right. Yeah, I think uh, I think my parents' divorce really, really changed me. You know, long term, 
Uh, obviously, I mean, I had to go. I went. I did counseling. I did sports and the whole bit. But my, I think my dad's idea was just keep him so busy that he was just too tired to be bothered by it. And so I was just so wrapped up with, you know, wrestling and baseball and kickboxing and boxing, everything that he put me into, it was just like just a hundred percent all the way. Boom, 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 boom. And so by the time I got home, I was just like too tired to be sad, too tired to, you know, do this and that. And he right. always kept me moving. So, uh, you know, he, we, he was, uh, he was a night owl because he couldn't get anybody to not, like leave him alone during the day. Mm -hmm. So he like completely changed his work schedule. Right. So he would work all night while everybody was asleep and they wouldn't bother him. And then by the time, you know, as I was ready to get ready to go to school, he'd go to sleep so they can bang on the door all they want. They just, you know, he didn't care. But yeah, um, I guess for him, it was the only way to get work done, you know? Yeah. So, man, yeah, that's divorce can be crazy, man. That's yeah. uh, something that messed you up. I didn't know you're doing mixed martial arts and stuff, too. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. I just recently, uh, within about a year ago, I uh, I met I met Dan Camarillo years and years ago. Right. And, um, man, it's just been, it's been a really cool journey, man. I, I, I always told myself, like, I'm going to get in this. I'm going to get in this. I have another friend that's, he told me about it about say, seven, seven years ago. Right. And I was like, ah, man, that's, you know, I, I was coming from a wrestling background. You're just like, no way. Yeah. But then, you know, once you get into it, you're just like, whoa, bro, this is like apples and oranges. It's like no comparison. Not right. to take anything away from the wrestling community because it's not. No, I hear you. Yeah, that's a good base. It's like yeah. the best base in the UFC. Right, right. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a whole different dynamic. But I noticed that uh, when you walk out of there, you walk out of there way different. Than you're talking you about jujitsu, right? Yeah, yeah. Jujitsu is, I did it for almost a year with mm -hmm. my son as mm -hmm. well. And um, I did, my brother, older brother's a pro boxer for 20 years. So mm -hmm. I trained with him and I thought I wanted to be a fighter till he hit me in the nose real hard. And I was like, nah, you know what? I'm going to go the other way. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, jujitsu is something that everyone should experience, learn how to defend yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, they asked Joe Rogan, uh, why do you do jujitsu? What's so special about that? He's like, well, if we get in a fight, I could kill you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there's nothing you could do about right, it. Right, right. And I remember the first three months, I was getting just tapped out. I mean, yeah. tapped out for an hour and sweat, and I'm tired. And the right. guy, other guy's not tired. Learning how to control your breathing. And then I was like, I told Tommy Little, like, I just, I suck at this, man. I'm not getting any better after three months. And he's like, listen, all right, you. He just got, new guy came in, came over. We started rolling and then I realized I was teaching him and he mm -hmm. was tapping out and I was like, oh gosh, it's just like life. You know, you just get to keep doing, keep doing, keep doing, and uh, you'll see the the fruits of your labor afterwards. Right. Yeah. Right. I think the, the most thing, the, the biggest thing I got out of it was, uh, as you said, like life, jujitsu teaches you how to find a way out. Right. So, and that's really hard. No matter what situation you're in, you know, yeah. whether it's work or relationship or whatever you're doing, yes. you always try to find a way out of a, you know, a. And you can't force it. It's like anything. I, I, you know, I'm talking about golf, and it doesn't relate to your world, but mm. or even a painting. If you try to force it, you're gonna fuck up, right? Yeah. And if you try to force a shot, and it's just you're gonna mess up. Right. You, know, you gotta let it happen. You gotta just keep control of your body, your breathing, and your emotions. And that happened to me last week. I was working on uh, some motorcycle parts and a helmet. And I'm doing a mural, the one that you've seen in the back of the Oh, shop. man, it's amazing. We're going to put your artwork up uh, uh, throughout this uh, whole, whole podcast. Yeah, yeah, man. that'd so be great, cool. man. So I'm working on all this stuff simultaneously. And, man, I just tried to, like, hurry up because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, like, I got to get to practice. I got to do this. I got to do that with my son. And, and the more I rush, the more I try to get into it, the more I try to buckle down, it's like, this isn't coming out right. I'm starting messing up on parts and taping all wrong and doing this and that. So 
I really have to like slow down and start rethinking and yeah, managing time, you know. So, so that's been a, it's been it's been good. Uh, yeah, man. Well, it's it's going good now. Uh, so after high school, you know, you you ended up finding a lady, right, and having mm-hmm. a kid, mm-hmm. and your kid's now eleven. His, yeah, his nickname is Bear. Bear, yeah, yeah. I know Lorenzo. So, yeah. Lorenzo, yeah, yeah right yeah. on. So you, you and the, the baby mama didn't work out, obviously, you know. Yeah, man, we went through a really rough patch for a long, long time. We just came from two different backgrounds. And then uh, the turning point in my life came when when we split up. And when we split up, it kind of forced me to to really make a decision in my life about my son. Because didn't you I, say your son was five, too? Yeah. And then you same were age. five when your parents got divorced. Yeah, that, yeah. That was a Full circle, man. I don't want to bring up your stuff, you know. No, but no, it's all good. The significance of that is is pretty, it's crazy. Yeah, so. it came it came full circle. I feel like it's like a generational curse or something. Yeah. I always talk about, to with him, I'm like, dude, just do things different, you know. <laughs> right. I try to tell him, like, you know, uh, start digging in. When you start finding a girl, like, really start looking in the background, man, because, you know, <laughs> Right. Yeah, well, it's dude. like a business, you know, you're going into a business relationship and yeah. you know, you get five percent of businesses that succeed, you know, and it takes five years to get past that hump to really make it successful, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, the businesses fail in the first five years. I think it might be I don't know statistics, but yeah. probably the same with marriage too. And well, some some cultures it's are, a really like the worst financial <laughs> decision you can make if it doesn't work out. Right. Yeah. Right. Some cultures are even, you know, I I feel like that's why some cultures are really down on like arranged marriage mm-hmm. because they want to make sure that this dude's coming from good crop or she's coming from good stock, you know? So I, I mean, not to say that that's probably the <laughs> way, but you kind of, you kind of understand like that's probably why they do that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Cause we're too young and dumb to figure yeah, out ourselves. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're just, you're just shooting from the hip. <laughs> you are really literally. Yeah. <laughs> so dude, okay. You're a amazing artist and we're going to get into that, but yeah. You told me that you had a job once and, it, and, uh, <laughs> tell me about that and how it maybe so, helped you now. Yeah. So right out of high school, I, uh, well, I actually had two jobs. One of them was short lived. I mean, that was probably like a what was it? four week. I worked at, uh, EA Shields, septic services on Quantico. It was a shitty job or what? The shittiest, man. This, <laughs> the lady that I was picking up 80 pound sacks of concrete. Uh, Cause the lady didn't want to put propane in her in her forklift, so I was just moving all these bags of concrete all day. <laughs> so I thought, you know what, cool. It, I mean, I get to work out, but I mean, at the end of the week, she had me one hundred six dollars. I was like, yeah, oh yeah. And my dad's like, I need one hundred six dollars. Like, <laughs> yeah, this ain't cutting That's it, my man. man. Yeah, yeah, straight yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what? <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't cutting the mustard. So then, uh, <laughs> so then I, I got a job at the city, which was a really cool opportunity. And then right away they put me on a graffiti truck and then, I mean, they put me in the uh, general services department. I learned how to do a little bit of electrical, some cabinet work, you know, a little bit of everything. And then, uh, you know, that didn't really pan out because I was always moonlighting with my dad. So then I was always showing up to work late. Yeah. So my boss was like, bro, this is the city, man. Like you got to get your ass to work. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just, I mean, if you got to let me go, well, it's cool. You know, like it's all good. And, uh, you know, the guy, the, my, my boss was like the coolest guy. He actually grew up on the east side across the street from uh, Heritage Park, which, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about him later, but he, he had just passed away. Actually, his name was Steve Chavez, super cool guy. Yeah. And uh, he was a big mentor for me, you know, in my early years when I had just gotten back, 
uh, into what was he mentoring, mentoring you in? He was just kind of grooming me for the work world because right, like, he yeah, knows yeah. a little bit about my background, my right. dad. He knew he knew my whole family. Gotcha, right. And uh, he was kind of like an East Sider that just like went corporate. Yeah, you know, you know, white collar guy. Yeah, uh, he was a big wig in, at, at, for the city for a long, long time. That's cool, man. And, that's uh, glad you found him. That's, yeah, that's he was good, really cool. He put me right on. A, he put me on a truck, and he just told me. He goes, "Man, I don't think you're right for this." And I was like, "What?" Like. I mean, you can't say that. And he goes, dude, you're not you're, gangster enough? Yeah. He goes, dude, you're, he goes, no, like quite the opposite. Oh, no, He's no, like, no. dude, you're, you're just like, you're, you're from the East side. I don't think this is the job for you. And I was like, fuck you, man. Like I can work here. You know, I can do whatever I, yeah. you know, whatever I put my mind into. He's like, prove it. So then, um, they had this like weird gun that you put up against the wall and it would match the paint. Oh yeah. You, you seen it like yeah. a camera? And I was like, I could do it faster than that dumbass camera you guys spent thousands of dollars on. <laughs> yeah. He goes, if you can match the paint faster than that thing, you can have a job. And sure, shit, I did mix it up. And you've done that before, though, with your dad? No. No, okay. no, no. That was the first time. It was just mixing color. I, oh, for gotcha. me, mixing a color was like no big deal, you know, because right, right. you're constantly concocting and mixing paint. But gotcha. Yeah. It was just something that you just pick up from the, in my background. But um, so, I mean, that day gave me a job. She's I'll show up eight o'clock in the morning, which I did. But at, like I said, I was always showing to work late. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's why you're an entrepreneur now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then uh, I'd show up at like nine, 10, a friend of mine, Robert Jacopetti, rest in peace, man. I do. I do. He was like the uncle you never had. Yeah. Super cool guy. Uh, I mean, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, he would really help me out when it was a clocking in and clocking out. He was right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Super cool dude. And, uh, and he always like had my back, man, when it came to, you know, trying to get to work on time and all that kind of thing. But yeah, but nobody realized like I was working with my dad till like three or four in the morning, Damn. you know, and then trying to get to work at six 30 in the morning was, you know, it's hard, you know, you're tired. And <laughs> yeah. And then finally, uh, the, the, a lot of the guys that were there were just like, Hey, how come he's coming in at 10 o'clock or nine 30 or whatever? And they're like, you're going to have to get rid of this kid. Which um, he finally sat me down. He said, "Hey, man, I I can't I can't pull it for you anymore. You, I gotta let you go." Right. I was like, "Hell yeah, that's cool." <laughs> and uh, I never been happier. Right. Yeah, it was it was awesome because I just felt like I'm just not cut out for this, you know. Yeah. Uh, not to say that I couldn't do it, but helping my dad, I feel like, was a bigger priority. Right. And then, uh, so then, shortly after, about a, I think it was about three weeks in, the city called me back and they're like, "Hey, man." we have a mural project for you if you're interested. And I was like, yeah, what, what do you guys got? And he's like, well, we want to do this really big wraparound mural on that, that tower on Truxton extension. Yeah. Yeah. That tank. Yeah. 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 So then, um, that you did that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That is something that I did not know. Yeah, That was, that really is amazing. Cool. If that you guys really haven't cool. seen it, go to the park on Truxton and Mohawk. Yeah. And that, that that's a big tank. It's huge. So I worked for huge. Thompson tank, build tanks. And that thing is a humongous tank. Yeah. And how long did it take you? So over the course of like two and a half years, if you put all the days together, it was probably like three and a half months. Wow. But there, you know, there was a lot of time you didn't work. I mean, it was 107. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't Those tanks go- are hot too. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't going out there. So, right. you know, I, I, I drug it out as much as I could. And then, you know, I tried to finish it up as fast as I could. But um, that was a really big job. Once I got the news hit, man, it was... Uh, it just turned into everything. People hitting me up to paint bedrooms, murals in their walls, you know, on the ceilings and full finishing, cabinet finishing. Man. That's the definition really of like everything happens for you. 
you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I have I was a manager at American Safety. I remember we had to let people go. I was like, because they just this isn't for them. And mm-hmm. actually, when you let someone go, it's actually doing them a favor. Maybe they can right. find out what God put them on this earth to do. Right, right. And this is what you're meant to do, right? Right. I mean, would you rather do anything else? No, no. I mean, no. I, I mean, I'm always going to be an artist, but I really want to make a transition within the next like four or five years to just be a gallery artist. Like that's really what my. So open up a store and, and a retail store. Yeah. You're, you're selling your artwork. Yeah. Uh, merchandise, t-shirts, hats. So you you're know. doing your own designs. You create your mm-hmm. own creations mm-hmm. and then selling it. Right. And I've had stockpiles of stuff that I've been working on for the years that, yeah. you know, I'm just kind of trying to hold on to it like stock until I'm ready to start printing and start doing all that kind of stuff. But for now it's, you know, I'm, I'm making a living just doing, commission work and yeah tattooing and cars and all that kind of stuff i know speaking of commissions so people come in come in there and you know they they need like they need your services they want it once they find out they trust you mm-hmm. and that's what's so cool everyone trusts you right mm-hmm. they're trusting you with something that's to be permanent on their body right. or on their favorite you know thing in the world their car mm-hmm. or uh someone passed away and some mirrors whatever it may be and they just start talking with you right how long what's the what's the average length of a tattoo how long does it take you or depending on what they want. I mean, some people have, you know, like sh- smaller tattoos, um, which is kind of where the extent of what they want is that only. And then. Like how long does that take? Uh, usually anywhere between an hour to two or three hours. But, right. you know, I've worked on sleeves that have taken me up to over a year and a half, two years. So right. It so, just kind of depends on what they want. You know? So during that time. You're more of a therapist, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you hear it all, man. What they're going through, who they're going through it with, yeah. money trouble, car trouble, what happened to them at work. Yeah. Dude, we should switch chairs. Let me tell yeah. you all about me real quick. <laughs> yeah. Come get a tattoo. We'll do it. Yeah. yeah. So I know. We were sitting there talking about that, man. What, what's, a, what's the craziest story you've heard, you know? Oh, sitting man. Sitting down. So... <laughs> I would say probably like a family embezzlement story was pretty heavy, dude. Yeah. Well, we won't go into detail. Yeah, this I won't go into detail, topic, but it was yeah. it was pretty big. I mean, it was it was a little heavier than my family situation, which was a lot of money, but right, like uh, uh, that it was like blatant, like I mean, a total rob job, right? And uh, from immediate family, I'm like like father and son, and mother from son, like it was bad. Wow. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I was like, damn, bro, like, is, is, the amount of money was pretty, you know, extensive, and and hearing about it was really sad, you know. And, it, you know, them tearing the whole family apart was probably even worse. But, <laughs> yeah. So so have you have you turned into, like, a mint, a coach, you know, where no, you coach them through it, or you just no, listen? No, 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 I'm, I'm just like a, I'm just a silent ear, man, you know, like, I try not to give too many opinions because I used to. Yeah. But then I noticed that like it starts to get uncomfortable and conversations <laughs> are starting to get a little heavier than you start, you know, backing away. When yeah, you- <laughs> they're like, hey, they're, you know, you get that. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I try not to. I try not to give my opinion too much. I just listen and uh, give the occasional like, yeah, man, that sucks, man, or you know, that's cool, but. For the most part, I just become a vault, man. That's yeah. probably why the ladies love you, man. You just like to listen. You're one of the few out there that just nah. sit back and listen. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah. nah, I don't know, man. I just, I just try to, I just try to be, to be there for them, you know. And yeah. As much as I can. 
But so yeah, you're turning into one of the big. Uh, we had another Bakersfield's biggest bachelor, but it seemed like you're one of those too. You're no, 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 <laughs> no. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm not on the market. No. <laughs> right on, and that's a good answer. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I man, mean, no matter what, I'm I'm off the market. So, no, yeah. that's cool, brother. Yeah. So yeah, do you have a cool demeanor? Like I said, we we uh, vibe at the same frequency. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because your surfing background, maybe I don't know, but w- tell us about how you got into surfing. So so years and years and years ago, my aunt, uh, she married uh, into the Momoa family. Yeah. Okay. I was going to tie that in there somewhere, but here we go. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. cool. So they, so. So Jason Momoa. Their family. Yeah. Okay. So they. Uh, Aquaman. Yeah. If you, you don't know who yeah, that is. Yeah. 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 So my aunt, my aunt moved there to Hawaii. She met my uncle here. They moved back to Hawaii. And then uh, that was uh, probably, uh, f- I, I don't quote me, but I think it was like a four or five year deal when they moved they ended up coming back and uh, they brought two of my baby cousins with me brand new cousins i'm like wow man this is pretty cool you know and i had no idea who who the momoa family was at that time Jason, how long ago was that that was in like i want to say like 90 90 oh this is before the fame yeah yeah okay oh yeah he was only like i think 13 or 12. 14 he probably had a fade haircut or something yeah yeah mullet (laughs) yeah yeah and um so yeah uh, you know when my my uncle david moved here he kind of my little cousin dj the one that tattoos with me was a baby so he always seen me as like a son you know and we were really really tight so every time we'd go somewhere he'd always take me with him i mean at work he was a he would drive um truck at night so he's always taking me with me you know with him and uh and shortly as our relationship started building, he started getting me wet, man. He'd take me to Ventura, take me down to San Onofre, Trestles, and, you know, Carlsbad and all these cool beaches and stuff. And yeah. he introduced me to a lot of cool spots. And we started meeting a lot of people, and he bought the shittiest van ever. I mean, this thing was like <laughs> duct tape. And, it don't matter, man. As long yeah. as you're driving to the beach, it No, don't it matter. was cool. It was cool, man. You but fit we, your surfboards on top. It's yeah, all good. And yeah. we practically had to push this thing to the beach. It was, it was a really, really cool van, but... Uh, we slept in the in the van and we'd get home and and talk stories and it was it was a good time man that happened for about ten years man so yeah. just, oh so, that's so cool yeah it was it was a really cool uh you know so did you find that connection with the ocean like this show is about you know I talk about my five pillars to becoming the best version of myself mm-hmm. it's mental you know mental wellness mental strength mental awareness uh, it's uh, physical fitness you gotta stay somewhat fit keep your your blood pumping at all right, times. Right. Or else it'll get the best of you to catch up to you. Right. An emotional awareness, you know, you know, when things aren't going your way, how do you act? You know, that's important. Like if you're in a situation and then spiritual, that's usually between you and your God mm-hmm. and maybe the ocean. Right. So right. like, have you found that connection with the ocean? Like, like, uh, some yeah, say? in the beginning I didn't, I just thought getting wet was getting wet. But you know, my uncle, he's all, he's a definitely on the spiritual side of the whole thing. And, and uh, you'll see him, he does a little chant, a little prayer to himself. And he's always telling Can me, you do the chant? No, I, I I couldn't. I don't I don't speak Hawaiian, but but yeah, he. I'd have been really cool if you could. Oh, I, I know. I didn't expect you to at all. <laughs> no, but he he's uh he's always throwing an homage, you know, to the to the mother ocean, and and uh, he taught me a lot about the water, man, a lot. I mean, that dude, if you would think he had gills, I and mean, this guy can outswim anybody. Yeah, yeah, and he's an old older guy, you know. He's he's probably maybe he's got webbed feet. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. so cool. He he's holds his really breath for cool. a long time, I'm sure. Yeah, the whole bit, man. He's he's just he's like a twelve year old out there on the water and he's short of sixty years old. You know, he's just 
I mean, just animal. Yeah. I mean, he's just catching them, coming back, catching them, coming back. And I'm on my, maybe my third set and he's on his 12th set. You know, that yeah. guy's just killing it out there. Everybody on the beach is like, who is Is he this? still surfing? Is he still, yeah, still around? Yeah, yeah, He works for the city. Oh, wow. Yeah, everybody calls him Mau Mau. <laughs> right on. Yeah, yeah. You'll see him. He's the only Hawaiian out there with a basket hat. You'll see him out there. <laughs> nice. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a cool dude. He's always on the street. I love that. That whole freaking everything about Hawaii mm -hmm. and everything about surfing and the coast. And I, I grew up in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and, you know, got separated from my family and had mm -hmm. to come to South Bakersfield. So, like, every time I get to go to the ocean, it's like I, it's like bringing a childhood. Did you get to back. surf there? Uh, no, no. I, that's what I was saying. I have a boat. I like to ocean fish. Mm -hmm. I got into spear diving. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted to catch that big monster fish, and I wasn't having much luck. And then so I saw some guys come in uh, on the boat ramp. And they had some big monster yellowtail and sea bass. And I was like, how'd you guys get those? And they're like, we had, we spearfish. No and I was way. like, that's still a thing? I was like, I had no idea. And so primitive. I'm from Bakersfield, you know? Yeah. So uh, I said, I'm, I went out there and like an idiot, like buying the best, most expensive golf set. You know, I went and got this big old whale hunter <laughs> with three yeah. bands, you know? Wow. And then there, I came back and I got this, this red uh, full face mask, like a moron. And everyone started laughing at me when I showed up, but uh, they ended up getting me the right gear and brought me into their little little tribe. And then we started going out on my boat and then uh, showing me how to dive and spearfish. Wow. And it just became awesome. But, you know, being underwater is kind of like being on mushrooms. You know, mm -hmm. you haven't done drugs, but I'll tell you all about it. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's like a natural high, honestly. Going to there, it's a whole other world. And uh, once you get past that fear of sh a shark eating you, yeah. it's, you can really enjoy it underneath there. Right, right. Yeah, so... I fell in love with the ocean again and uh, because it's meaningful to me too. I feel like I got taken away as a child and now mm -hmm. I kind of brought it back in my life. And, Is it a uh, big deal for your kids yet? No, they didn't even care, man. Like really? we drive around cause they didn't get this stuff. No, they uh, like we're riding the boat. We have a little cutty cabin and we'll see dolphin and stuff. And at first they were excited. And now I'm like, come out boys. We got dolphin out there. Like, yeah, we'd rather play on our tablets. Like oh, little spoiled man. brats, yeah, but they'll, yeah. they'll appreciate it later. Yeah. I was 25 when I saw the light, you know, like I was yeah. very appreciative of everything my parents did. I was a little, you know, shithead until then. Right. But, um, you know, yeah, dude, that's, that's part of life though. So they'll get it. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, I'm sure you and your dad butted heads for a long time, and now you guys are tight, right? Yeah, for for about two weeks. Yeah, we're cool, and then then we'll be back to fighting again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you guys are really tight then. That's oh a, yeah, yeah. That's the tight. You it's know. all. It's like I said. It's always short lived. You know. We, yeah. We always we have the best relationship, but I think it's just because we're so much alike. Right. In so many ways, but uh, well, man, you just always got something to fight about all the time. Yeah, it's probably because you get a lot of like. You know, they say opposites attract. You yeah, know, yeah, positives. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 a lot. You try to try to plug it in a positive positive on a battery, it sparks. Yeah, you know, same trying to plug it in a wall. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we're 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 mushroom clouding. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. yeah, but I love him to death. I mean, I know he loves me, but oh yeah, yeah. It's just you seen that American Chopper. The old yeah, oh, show, yeah. right, right. Yeah, Dude, it's the exact same dynamic. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, we're throwing shit and like yelling. And, <laughs> and you don't, you think like, you know, like this, this just shouldn't be this way, but it's just, you know. It is what it is. Yeah. He pulls well, that out of me and I pull it out of him. I guess. Well, he's a legacy starter, mm -hmm. right? Oh, yeah. He went against mm -hmm. the grain. Mm -hmm. Got to appreciate that. I never met him, but it sounds like a great man that was a great father and obviously created a great son, a great human being as an adult, which is very hard to do. And there's no book how to do that correctly. Right, right, right. But yeah, so he started the, the trend of being an entrepreneur and- 
it seemed like the other family was trying to do other ways of entrepreneurship. Right, right. <laughs> some do it legally, some do it illegally, but right. hopefully they can get past the hump to do it legally. But there was, so you have a shop on 19th street, right? Mm -hmm. Was that his? No, Before? no. His okay. shop was on, uh, on a golden state and Q. It was an old, it's an old gas station. It was actually just sold. Right. Um, and, um, we were, we were, when my family was kind of going through their court battle and stuff over property and stuff, I, I was under the impression that we might get it back, but that didn't end up happening. And, uh, which was kind of a bummer because my dad had it since the sixties. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it is what it is. Let it go. And I'm just trying to build the legacy. I carry it on, I guess, from where I'm at. Yeah. How long have you had that shop? Seven years. Seven years. Yeah. So what would you say for like the, the person out there that has a J-O-B mm -hmm. and wants to start their own business? What would you say the, the perks are of owning your own business? The perks. So <laughs> I wouldn't really, I wouldn't, so I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really say it that way. I would say take a really good long look in the mirror and say, if you're ready for this, like go get it. Cause right. if you're not ready for it, don't, don't even bother trying. <laughs> right. You're just going to crash and burn. And then, then you're going to have to like start over. But if you're already invested with a company and that's kind of where you're at, I mean, you, you get to a certain point in, in your age where you have to make a decision and, uh, and not to say you can't make a decision later, but at some point in your life, you kind of have to make a decision. Like, this is what I'm going to do and this is how I'm going to pursue it. And then that's it. Like right. you're full forward. Yeah. And uh, that happened for me when I was 18. It, it, and it just happened, like I was telling you yesterday. I mean, that's it. I've always just kind of Forrest Gump my way through it. Dude, I, and, I was and, like, that's when we became best friends, I think, when you yeah. brought up Forrest Gump. That's my, that's my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I can recite it from start to finish right now. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've never had an opportunity that I didn't really like take my time and think about saying, man, this would probably be the best way to go. I just kind of rode the wave on on every sense of an opportunity that came my way, you know? So from, I mean, I, I, I did a lot of crazy shit when I was younger before, you know, shortly after the city thing while I was doing the mural. Um, you know, but a lot of the decisions that I made to go to work and do my own thing was really hard. Mm. Uh, getting up in the morning, I used to work out of my garage at my house, right? Pinstriping cars and doing my thing, but it was I found it so easy to just say I'll do it tonight. Watch mm. TV, hang out, go be with friends, or go do whatever, right? And then nighttime comes, and you're like, I'll just do it in the morning, and that happened to me for a long time, right? And then procrastination, some, yeah, yeah, something just clicked, and it was like, dude, this is not working out. Like mm. I had people knocking on my door at two in the morning, and. It, it, it deadlines weren't being met. It was just like a nightmare. So then I finally had to come to the realization, like I'm either going to have to like, you know, break all this down, start over, get a job or just kind of do my own thing and, but really take it serious. And right. leaving the, leaving the garage and opening up my own studio was the best move I made. So, I mean, was it you, were you nervous before that happened? Were you oh yeah. Yeah. Cause you think like, yeah. man, I don't know if I can make overhead bills yeah. like this. Yeah. So that's the obstacle They say the obstacle is the way. Right. And, being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. If you're comfortable in life, you're not growing, right. you know, and you got to get uncomfortable. Oh yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and you did that. And, right. that, and you know, that's why you are successful now. Mm -hmm. And I have to ask you, what is, you know, what's your version of success? What would you say it is? I guess my version of success would just be if I'm able to wake up in the morning and be like super happy at what Dude, you're going to go that do. is it right there. It's yes. not really the money. Cause I don't, to be honest with you, I don't really give a shit about money. Like 
my thing is like, if I'm able to go buy a car, I could go buy a car. If I want to go do something I want to do, I can do that. And that's the money I think is the measure. Right. That's but, how hard you work. But yeah. But being happy at doing what you do every day, to me, that's successful. So it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you're super happy, they say the the most, the you know, the richest people in the world is probably the most miserable yes. because it carries a lot of weight. Right. But uh, you kind of find that like that real middle it's really, ground, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really important to stay your authentic, true self. Right. You know, I listened to a podcast the other day, uh, Ed Milet and Gary Varnercheck, and they're talking about they have this private jets and, and, uh, they're still not, this guy, Ed Mellis, not, not happy still. Right, right. And so he takes cold baths and stuff. And I was like, well, that's what poor people do. <laughs> you know, my propane heater was out. I took yeah. cold baths all the time. And they go camping and all that stuff. And they try to find their self. And I was like, that's what poor people do. Right. So they're rich and they're still unhappy. Yeah. And the money, like, when you buy something nice, you're only happy for like a week or two. Or right. they actually, scientifically, it's like 30 days. You know, mm -hmm. if you buy something materialistic, you're only happy for like 30 days. Right. So you always got to work on your inner self. Be happy with yourself and wake up happy. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, I make jokes about, you know, how poor people live because I've done it. But mm -hmm. it's kind of funny how these rich people live like that. And um, you just got to find a way to just wake up and be happy. Exactly what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you, you'll be surprised. Like all, all the money is in is in the hood, man. They, if there's somebody tells you all the money is that people that own buildings and own businesses, that's bullshit. <laughs> right. The money is in the hood. Right. And that's no lie. I mean, you know, working for a lot of people and a lot of different genres of people and you start realizing who has real money. You know, th th you might have a big bank account. Right. But this dude's got, you know, a C train of money buried under his backyard and he lives in the worst house you would think. Right. And that's the guy you're like, wow. Like, what are you doing? Yes. You know, so I've got to experience a lot of that. Right. You know? And uh, it's been really cool, man. It, kept you, it keeps you kind of humble and and you start thinking like, man, you know, monetary stuff isn't really as important as it is. It's just getting to through the journey, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So those five pillars are mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, and financial education. Mm -hmm. So it's not financial wealth. Mm -hmm. It's just knowing how money works and have money right. working for you. Right. And learning having that mindset and the sooner you can learn it, the more you can start, you know, enjoying your life. Right. So I want to be able to give back in every way. I can't give back the way I want to financially. So I'm trying to give back with value as much as I can. Right. So, which I think is more important. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. That's what you yeah. remember. If you go visit a retirement home, um, you go interview, you know, just people that are, have a few years left of their life. They're going to talk about relationships. They're going to talk about connections and they're talking about memories that they missed out on. Right, right. So that's what it's about. And, you know, the legacy they're going to leave behind. Mm -hmm. So that that's what. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, you know, so there's a legacy of, of whatever it is that you do. I feel like, you know, do it 100%. But, you know, the question that you asked earlier is like what you would tell somebody as they're coming up or they make a decision to do their own thing, I just say, man, if you're going to do it, don't look back. Just keep the blinders on and just go 100%. Yeah, they don't say worry about interested it. or committed, you know? Yeah. You got to just – and don't have an option B too. Yeah. I know. I keep talking about – you know, I, I listen to a lot of books, man. I was all about motivational stuff. Now I'm past the motivational stuff. I could listen to motivational stuff for four days in a row and not get nothing done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's all about just getting it done, doing right. it, and then bragging about what you're doing later. Bragging mm -hmm. about what you've done after you've done it, you know. Yeah, I've had about what you're gonna so do. many people yeah. come to my shop and they're like, hey, man, I really want to apprentice. 
I'm like, apprentice in what? Like, you know, do you want, like, are you trying to paint? Are you trying to tattoo? Like, what are you, like, what are you trying to do? And they're like, I just, I want to, I want to, I want to be an artist. I'm like, well, I mean, let's see what you got. Are you, are you, are you wanting to do this? Are you dedicated to yourself? And they're like, yeah, yeah. And they bring me like a drawing book. I'm like, you're not dedicated. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not dedicated, you know? And, and so, I, feel, I mean, just like anything else, man, I feel like dedication is something you would, you see somebody just like you, you know, you, when you're talking to me, you're constantly just in it. You're on the phone, you're doing this, you're doing that, taking notes. Like we, you, we all know if anybody meets you, they know this, this dude is all the way. Right. He's going all the way in, you know? So that's, that's what my wife says. She's like, you know, when you're doing this show, you, you mean business. And I was yeah. like, yeah, you know, I thought I was just having fun with it, but mm -hmm. I really do. I, I've wanted, I'm leaving something behind. This is a hit. This is recorded in history. And I want my kids to look back. My grandkids to look back and know that I was trying to do good. Right. right. You know, been blowing your brand up or, mm -hmm. Letting you share your story, which I think is great, and you're doing a good thing too. People trust you. You're a good person in this town, and uh, you should be. Your name should be spread. Good positive news should be spread. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, brother. Dude, so I was, we were talking. You don't have any tattoos. That's what's crazy. I was like, <laughs> you're a tattoo artist. Yeah, yeah. Do you not trust nobody? Everyone trusts you, but you don't trust them back. No, no, it's not that. It's just uh, I, I've been asked that question for years, man. They're like, hey, man, how come you? So I don't have any season? either. That's why. Oh, I was you like, don't? No, I have no tattoos. Oh, I, I thought you had it. I, okay, I didn't. No, know man. No, yeah. I was like, that's my first one to be all gangster. You know, oh, it was yeah. black and white. Yeah, <laughs> come, come in, man. We'll we'll pop your cherry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I know. Uh, I be my therapist or yeah. my my soundboard. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> But no, I, I just, I made the decision to kind of wait. And I think I just waited too long till it got to the point where it was just like, I'm over it. That's what happened to me too. I was like, yeah. I'm going to get one. Everyone's pressuring me. And I'm like, I don't know. And like you said too, you said yesterday, once you get one, I'm one of those guys that like, I want to be the best at it. I'm going to get my whole body done probably, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to get a, a whole freaking aquarium, Yeah, you know, who I would, knows? I'll probably end up being I'll look like, like Aquaman a, afterwards probably. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be the guy that's like covering his eyelids and stuff. Cause I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. dude. What the hell? Like you know, it. it I could have done this better. I could have done this better, but I just feel like once you, once that, just for me personally, I just once I make that decision, I feel like man, I, I should have done something different. I should have done this better. Like right. So maybe it just comes from being such a big critique on myself. I don't know, dude. So I know. So my wife is an artist. You know, she's a singer. Mm -hmm. She loves doing crafts. You know, I don't want to say anything disrespectful on what she does. She's just so many paintings and oh, she's she super crosses. Talented, I showed it to you yeah, yesterday. It's yeah. really badass. But I know from living one, we've been together 15 years, that they're really deep, you mm -hmm. know, feelers, mm -hmm. thinkers, and they pay attention to detail. And right. I was asking you, because mm -hmm. I know you are, that's what artists yeah, are, yeah. and explain that. I mean, you have to be paying attention to detail and really focus and really see a vision and think outside the box. Mm -hmm. You know, so explain what an our artist is in your in your uh, your words. So in my mind, I kind of feel like I'm always looking through a looking glass. Um in, in terms of like the aesthetic, always, whether I'm talking to people or looking at things, whether it's a, a phone or a cup or anything, you know, I'm always looking at the aesthetic, you know? And then uh, growing up, my dad was always one of those people that he would sit me in front of my table while I'm eating breakfast and he's like, take this apart and try to make something better out of it. So you take wow. the cereal box. He's like, dude, take the cereal box apart and show me how a box is made, but like, let's make it for this big or this or this, this shape. Wow. So he was always giving me like things to think about all the time, whether it was locks. I don't know. He had this weird thing for locks. So I was always like trying to figure out like locks and stuff like that.
I was trying to get the toy out of there, man. You're going way, way deep into it. Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, you know, he's he. That was the kind of mind that he that my dad had. Right. So then, naturally, that kind of carried over. Not to say, I mean, I'm not no like a beautiful mind or nothing, but right. You know, my mind just thinks a little bit differently. You know, Uh, maybe a little bit more uh, deeper than the aesthetic, but more of the aesthetic, I guess. Right. So you don't suffer from ADHD like I do. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, you do. Bad. Yeah, yeah. It's bad. I think that's why I do so many different kinds of art at the shop a lot of people are like man how come you're not tattooing all day i said i go bananas i couldn't do it i couldn't sit there for 10 12 hours i mean there's guys here that are just phenomenal tattoo artists i mean i can name off 30 guys right now that are just badass but it's just not me i mean i'm i'm pretty good at what i do but i can't be in a tattoo shop all day i just couldn't do it yeah mix it up yeah, like I, I have to put the tattoo machine down, clean up, and then go in the back and just start painting, listening to music, and uh, you know, just work on something different. And yeah. that's for me is, I think the only way I can really function without going crazy. Yeah, because I start going a little nutty right around the fourth hour of tattooing. Start right. talking a little different. I'm just like, oh, dude, I you bet, need to man. get the hell up, bro. Yes, as I know, so. You- Deep thinker to and detail, like really t- pay attention to detail, deep filler. Like, what do you work on to like, where do you go to find peace or what do you do to work on yourself? So I think the most, the peaceful time, the most peaceful time I have is when, uh, as soon as my son goes to sleep, I go to the shop, I blast music and I just do my thing. Yeah. When, no, no matter what it is, if I'm working on a mural or a painting for myself or. So on your artwork. spare time, you still do artwork. I'm still at the shop. Because yeah. you love to do it, man. That is so yeah. incredible. Like, this is your God's gift. This is what he gave you. Yeah. If yeah. you work all day and you're sick of it, <laughs> you put your kid to bed, and then you play music and go back to doing, yeah. but you do your own stuff, I your do own, own creation. Stuff. Yeah. Which is, you know, like I said earlier, it's kind of like a stockpile of stuff that I'm kind of pushing for in the next four or five years, you know, so. But even like, let's say we go surfing at the beach or whatever it is. Let's just say we are going to go surfing at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if we go, you'll probably see me in the sand making uh, sculptures. Wow. Which happens a lot. So, you know, I'm always working. Even when I'm not working, I'm working. Well, and, man, you're going to, me and my, my son and my wife are going to get boards mm-hmm. and I'm going to have you do the artwork on there. Dude. For sure. I'm into it, man. Let's yes. Do it. Yeah. I'd be happy to do it. Man. I'm always doing something. Every, every, like today, this lady dropped off a refrigerator. She goes, here's my budget. My son's a diehard Cowboys fan. Do your thing. I'm like, what? When do you need it by? She's like, just a couple weeks. That kid know? might struggle throughout life being a Cowboys fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at least he's going to have a cool refrigerator. Yeah. He's going to need a lot of alcohol in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going to be disappointed a lot. Oh, yeah. I grew up a Redskins fan, so... My oldest brother was a cowboy fan too, so it's been a great rivalry. Cowboys all my, and all Indians, my friends. bro. It, yeah, and it was it was BS when they changed it to whatever they're doing now. It's really tough because I yeah, love what football, is that about? and it's really tough to be a fan. Like I said, I grew up in Virginia Beach, yeah, Virginia, yeah. and you know it's just tough. It's just tough. I, why, who brought this up? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I kind of stopped watching football a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just saying once that, uh, once the whole. Not to get all political because I don't want to piss all these people off, but once the take a knee thing happened, I just said, I'm out. Yeah, I mean, that I'm was done. definitely tough, man. He, it sucks. It's really, yeah, politics. Yeah, I was talking about politics, man. You bring it up and we'll agree on the same thing 100%. And we'll still leave the conversation pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and I was raised growing up, you know, don't bring up religion or politics. And now that's everyone, that's all people talk about. And it's sad. So that's why. Yeah. 
on this show, I try to bring a positive message. Right, right, right. And hopefully have someone take a time out of their day. At least it's not a waste of an hour. It's something oh, yeah, they can yeah. definitely get something positive out of I this. I hope so. And it's not politics. It's not religion. It's not mm-hmm. people arguing, getting shot, watching the news, bad news. Right, right. You know, or just drama. Yeah. You know, TNT bring the drama. The same. This is the opposite, right? Yeah. There's enough going on in the world right now, man. Definitely. So, man, I always ask this question. What do you love about Bakersfield, man? Because, you know, Bakersfield's unique. Everyone says something different. Yeah. And uh, there's always a piece... You said you traveled the world and you've come yeah. back here. You know, why is that? Bakersfield's always like a, it's a vortex. No bullshit. I mean, this place is, <laughs> I mean, I've been everywhere you can think of. Um, and it, I've always found my way back here. Same thing with my dad. My dad's, my dad's traveled everywhere. And he's right. always came back here. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just a small town. Everybody kind of knows each other. And I mean, it's not like I would say Taft, but. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a comfortable town. I guess it's a really nice place to, I guess, kind of end things, you know, kind of finish off as a family here. But, um, I think it's getting to the point where it's going to start outgrowing itself, you know? Yeah, man. I know it, it's really crazy. Yeah. You know, um, it's a, they call it a small big town mm-hmm. and you're like, it's six degrees to bacon. Like Kevin Bacon, you ever play the yeah, game? Yeah, it's yeah. one degree to someone, you know, in right, Bakersfield. Right, right. And I, I can't believe like, I looked at you, you had 5,000 friends on Facebook and I've never heard of you. Yeah. It's probably because I don't have any tattoos on, you know, I never had a, a nice enough car to get pinstriped. Right, right, right. <laughs> but uh, I rode a Huffy around too. So I didn't have a nice enough bicycle. To, How long have you been in Bakersfield? Uh, since I was uh, six years old. What year was that? 91. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I was born in 85. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just around the time that you got here, man, it was like ag forever. I mean, yeah. you weren't seeing, I mean, there was a house every maybe 20 oh, yeah. miles, you know, I can see it right now. Yeah. Bro, anything yeah. South of Panama was just wide open. Oh yeah. I, I was mean, a, even on the East side. Yeah. Do you remember when the, oh, I, the when, home people and stuff wasn't there? Well, next to Highland, it was just all fields and now it yeah. was house, it's all houses and yeah. this town is definitely growing tremendously. It's the overflow of LA. So yeah, it is, yeah we're getting a lot of that. It is. I'm yeah, not, I don't like the traffic though. It sucks. No, that's what we don't want it. Like we don't want to make it really nice. You know, we've had these yeah. conversations before on here that we want to keep it the way it is. We don't don't build no football stadium. Don't build no big buildings. Yeah. We like it the way it is. We like the small town. It feel. used to be a 20 minute town. You get anywhere. In yeah, 20 minutes. right. Now no. forget it. Now you you don't want to travel at five o'clock no more. Eight o'clock no, or five no, o'clock no, no more. No. You know, yeah. that's why I'm an early riser. So. Yeah, I, I'm a late riser. So I just try to leave when everybody's finally getting where they got to go. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm finally going to go in. Well, so, there yeah. There's my uh, alarm right there to uh, make sure to bring up that question. What do you love about Bakersfield? <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I would love, I just love the small knit community. You know, everybody here seems really cool with each other. I mean, sort of, you know, the few crowds that don't really get along. But, you know, you find, you find, I mean, you find a lot of love here, you know. Yeah. As much crime as there is here, there's a lot of love here. Oh, for you know? sure, there is. Yeah, there's just the idiots of town, you know that yeah. that are just have it all mixed up and maybe just had a bad up, upbringing and mm-hmm. bad role models in life. Right, right. So you know, you had good role models, dude. I did, man. I got really fortunate uh, to have my dad in my life. My mom, you know, everybody's been really great. My family, yeah, really good support system. Friends, I have. I mean, I can't. I can't thank my friends enough for helping me out and being there for me when, you know, I was kind of coming up and doing my thing. And I'm still, I'm still growing, you know, I'm not, yeah. I haven't made it, you yeah. know, but I'm still, I'm still no, you're working. On, you're on the way, man. That's yeah. why you're, I, I wanted you on the show too. Cause you're yeah. showing 
a lot of love, man. You're building a big following. Everyone mm. loves your work and trusts you. Mm. And uh, I like to tell you their um, their stories about their life. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> so when you're long gone from now, when you when you pass away, man, your great grandkids are looking back on you and your kids. What do, what do they want you? What do they want to know about you? What do they want to remember you by? Oh man, that uh, first and foremost, maybe just being a really good dad. I mean, to me, that's like the most important thing oh ever. Oh my gosh, you yeah. said it, man. Yeah. yeah, I told you we were vibing on the same frequency because that's a hundred percent. I think. I think. Uh, I mean, whether whether we were female or, or whatever, you know, I just think like being a solid parent is where it's at. You know, I, I have too many friends that are, you know, they're separated, but they're not doing what they should. You know, not to sound judgmental, but I just feel like being a parent should be number one if you have kids. You know, and and then uh, if you don't have kids. Man, just be a good person all the way around, man. That's you all know, you can try do. to be. You know, we all we all fall short, but I just feel like just being as solid a person as you can is probably the most important part. You know, I love that. Yeah. And, and going back to being a dad, man, you know, those kids didn't cho choose to be here. You mm -hmm. chose for them to be here, right? Right. And so they don't owe you nothing. You owe them. Yeah, we owe them all everything. Knowledge from you know teaching them all the basics, man. Just to, so that you can carry on the generation make it grow and maybe them do it better you know yeah. so i'm hoping that i can do it better than my dad did and he's always telling me just do things better do it <laughs> right. better and i you know and i'm like i am man. Yeah, I, know. Yeah. I coach baseball yeah. and i say something funny but it's kind of true yeah i was like you did great but you could do better yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know they're the, kind of like i don't know how to feel right yeah. now <laughs> they say the worst thing you could tell your kid was good job Right. Yeah. So I agree. Then they're like, they start relaxing. Like, yeah, you man. You tell them that, dude, you need to get it in gear, man. This ain't working. You need yeah. to figure it out. And sometimes you come off as an ass and you're like that hard dad or hard mom or whatever. But dude, so what, I guess I got to ask this question. Like it goes with the show. I'm going to start asking like, what drives Bobby Negretti? My son. Right. No, like, that's it for me. That, that's my son. I just see myself uh, getting up every morning, being happy to go to work but making sure that he's taken care of and everything that he's being taught is, is, uh, going to carry on, you know, love him being, yeah, him being a good person, being a solid person. Um, he's a, he's a, he's a crazy kid. He's, he's really cool. His name's bear. So, you know, yeah, he's a jujitsu. Yeah. Jiu so don't yeah, mess with yeah. him. <laughs> Come nah, at you like a spider monkey. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like a bear for sure. So he's really aggressive. So tell me what, what all services do you offer? And um, then from tattooing to engraving, pinstriping, airbrushing, sculpting, uh, glass gilding. I mean, every genre you can think of in art. I'm short of doing jewelry. I don't really do that as a commission work, but right. um, I dabble in everything, literally everything you can yeah. think of. Yeah, I know. When you walk into a shop, it's really mind-blowing. And then you walk through the back door and keep going. And I was really just freaking impressed, man. Thank it's you. It's amazing work. Um, where can we find you to look at all your stuff, man? Cause it's uh, amazing. You can check me out on Instagram. Facebook has a little bit of work. I haven't really uploaded. I'm, I'm, I haven't since COVID, I haven't really been big on keeping up with my social media, but, um, you can find me on Instagram at Bobby Negretti underscore art. Um, uh, Facebook would be Bobby Negretti. Um, my dad has the same name, right? Mine has like a little sculpture on it, but, uh, you'll, you'll be able to see it. Yeah. Right away, yeah, well, I've been showing everybody for like the last twenty four hours. Like, Have you really? Dude, look, yes, I've been showing everybody. Dude, check this out. Look at this, and I'll continue to do that because I'm oh, I'm cool, amazed man. by your work. I appreciate it. It is so dope, and um, dude, 
You're the best artist I know in town. Oh, no, <laughs> so, And that's all that matters. Oh, I appreciate it. This is the it. top 100 podcast in Bakersfield right yeah. now. <laughs> there's, only, there's only 50. That's cool. <laughs> hey, Bobby, thanks for coming, Hey, brother. thank you, man. Appreciate I really appreciate it. it. Thank yeah. you. I know.